Welcome to Every Nation Durban. Out. You're all looking really well. You all look really cute with your masks. I must say, when I go around to the different shops and I see how people have masks that totally represent their personality because it's filled with sparkles or sequins or it's just plain one color or polka dotted, you know, it really says a lot about you, the color of your mask. So just take a look around the room and just take a look at uh, the different quirkinesses that we have. Um, I must say the bright green mask and the uh, polka dot mask are definitely grabbing my attention the most this morning. Yes, that's a new, that's you. How's my sound? I feel like I'm a little bit echoey. Spore? Are you sure? It doesn't feel comfortable from this side. Yeah, okay. All right, so a number of weeks ago, um, Wayne shared a, a faith journey in motion, and I just wanted to ask you, do you remember this picture? We're going to put a picture up on the screen. Who remembers that picture? Yeah, you remember it? Did that faith journey in motion begin to inspire you about the power of faith? Yeah? Well, for those of you who are not up to speed with what, what that's all about, I'm going to catch you up. Basically, a friend of ours, um, she was down at the beach and she lost her car keys. And um, she searched all over. She had the children searching all over. And eventually she had to phone her husband and said, sorry, love, I've lost the car key. Can you come down to the beach because it's getting late now and I've got to get all these kids home? To which he was like, you lost the car keys again. This is crazy. And he came all the way down with the spare set and they got home safely. And when she was at home, she said, God, where are my keys? What am I going to do? And she felt the Spirit of God tell her to go back to the beach the following morning. I mean, that's pretty pretty random. What are the chances that she's going to go back the following morning and actually find her car keys? But she's a very obedient woman, so she got in a car early the next morning. She went to the beach and she kind of positioned herself where she, she, she sort of thought, well, maybe we were about here. And she was standing there and she was looking out over the ocean and um, she was saying, God, what, what now? What do I do now? And she felt the Spirit of God say to her, dig your toes into the sand. Now, logically, you're going to think, what are the chances that I'm in exactly the position where my keys are going to be the following day? It's just way too random. But like I said, she's an obedient woman, so she dug her toes into the sand. And she found nothing. And I'm sure there must have been a part of her that just went, oh, I missed it. I didn't really hear God. What were the chances anyway? And uh, she felt the Spirit of God say, dig deeper. To which she dug her toes in deeper and lo and behold, pulled up her keys on her foot. And she took this picture of herself holding the keys and she sent it to her husband. And, um, and that was a really powerful thing. And, you know, when she got home, she said to God, she said, God, what was that all about? And he said it was to get your attention. And she said, well, God, you really do have my attention. Fast forward in the story, and there's a particular school that her children would really like to attend, but economically it's not something that they could just make happen. You know, my kids want to go to the school, no problem, I'll go get you into that school. They couldn't really just do that. But anyway, they decided they would go and meet the principal anyway to find out, you know, what the principal is like, what the school's values are like, and just to go and suss it all out. And they went to the school, and after chatting for a while, she said to the principal, look, my one child's very artistic. Could I maybe see the art department? And to which the principal agreed and took them to the art department. And as she walked into the art department, there was one piece of artwork on the wall, and this was it. If you could show that next picture. And my goodness, did that catch her attention. And she remembered the picture she took of the keys and this picture that was now at the school that her kids wanted to attend. And this is the picture of those two images next to each other. Take a look at that. And she asked herself, could God possibly be speaking through these wonders and through these signs that they as a family should believe him to have the faith 
for their children to attend this particular school. Was all of this setup of losing the keys, being obedient to the Spirit of God, going and finding the keys, scooping them up on her toes, going to the principal at the school that their kid wants to attend, going in, and this is the image in the art department, almost a replica of the moment she found her keys. Could this be an invitation into faith that could make incredible things come to pass? How many opportunities do we get to partner with God in faith-building miracles? You know, she had the opportunity to look at the situation and say, is God putting me in a position where I can be inspired by signs and wonders and step out and help my children's heart's desires come to pass? Could I be provoked to that level of faith? You know, she had the faith to go back to the beach, but did she now have the faith to say, God, these signs and wonders are leading me to the point to trust you to send my kids to the school? And you know what's amazing is that um, faith is like that key. And that key is in our hands. And that key is used to unlock amazing things in our lives. But we have to partner with it. We have to activate it. We have to use it. And I can tell you right now, as the story has unfolded, God has made a way where there seemed to be no way. And those children will be attending that school as of next year. And the beautiful thing is this. Could God have just, you know, miraculously put money into their account that covered the school fees for the year? Sure, he could have done that. Could he have stirred in a wealthy relative's heart to run in and and rescue them in this economic situation? Maybe. Could he have said, hey, the principal's in a good mood. Go chat to them today. Possibly. And yet he chose to work through, and he often does this in our lives, he chooses to work through situations that mature our faith as opposed to just rescue us in a moment. And I'm so glad that my friend had the faith to steward the desire of her children's hearts because those kids are so excited about January 2021. So faith is like a key that unlocks provision, and the keys are in our hands, guys. You know, that was a faith journey in motion. And I want to ask you, what faith journey is in motion in your life right now? And a perfect moment to pause and selah and think about such things is a Sunday morning when you're in church in the house of God. Sit and think and ponder what is the faith journey in motion that I need a little bit of wind blowing in my sails to take the next step towards because he is so into developing us in maturity in the area of faith. And we've been on a brilliant journey as a church, guys. We've done the Believe series. We've activated our believer. Let us take it and finish this year strong in continuing to believe God for the faith journey that's in front of us. And so today, we're going to focus in on faith to be spirit-led. Can you say that? Faith to be spirit-led. Do you want to be men and women who are spirit-led? Do you want to be men and women who, like my friend, heard the voice of God and obeyed it and then entered into a miraculous story that people sit and stand in pulpits and sit in church and listen and are inspired by? Do you want those kind of stories in your life? Because I sure do. I want to live a life that is so radical and so out there and so spirit-led that people can only but say there is a God in heaven whose hand is upon that family's life. And I know he wants the same for you as well. Because he hasn't called us to walk in this natural realm under the natural order of things. He's called us to walk in a higher platform around such things. Yeah? Okay, well, let's get into this. So when I'm talking about being spirit-led, what I'm really talking about is superseding the natural realm of operation. 
Okay, I'm talking about not merely doing life according to what is in my bank account, what I see, what's going on around me, what I'm observing, what I feel, what I touch, what I taste. I'm not talking about living a life operating according to the natural order of things. I'm talking about living a life that supersedes that. A life that is operating in the heavenly realms, right? With feet very grounded on in the earthly realm, but taking hold of that which is in the spiritual realm. Because, my friends, if you're sitting here and you're a born-again believer, then you are a spirit being with so much power and so much authority, and you are not called to walk carnally like other people who don't have the Spirit of God living in them. And I'm here to awaken you this morning. I'm here to awaken you to be a people who are spirit-led because you are spirit-governed and you are spirit-ruled. Yeah? Are you ready for this? You want to tap into this? All right. So let's do it. What we're going to do is we're going to ponder these three words. Be spirit-led. Say that with me. Be spirit-led. Led. And we're going to ponder each of these words, and I'm wearing this shirt in particular because it's selah, it's pause, it's consider, reflect. And that's what we're going to do. On each of these words, we're going to pause, we're going to selah, we're going to think, and we're going to allow the Spirit of God to challenge us and to shape us and to mold us more and more into who He's created us to be. Yeah? Are you ready? Okay, so let's look at this first word, be. If you want to be spirit-led, you have to understand what it means to be. Now, to be, in my understanding, it's, it's a state of existence, right? It's, um, as a Christian, we want to be close to God. We want to be like God. We want to be great ambassadors for Him. We want to be led by His Spirit in all matters. But one thing we have to understand about being is that we cannot successfully strive to be any of those things. It's just who we are. You don't strive to be. It's who you are. Okay, let me break it down like this. I don't strive to be Wayne's wife. It's who I am. On the basis of a covenant that we made on the 13th of December 2003, I became his wife. And I get to drink out of his cup. No one else does. <laughs> On the basis of the covenant that God made with you when you gave your life to Jesus, you became his. You be his. You can't strive to be his. Just like I can't strive to be Wayne's wife. However, I can steward the privilege of being his wife, but I can't strive to be it. It's just who I am. When somebody phones and they say, oh, can I speak to Wayne, please? I'm sorry he's not available. Well, who's speaking? Well, you're speaking to his wife. Oh, okay, then I'll talk to you. There's a, there's a interconnectivity. There's a, there's a oneness. And if you've given your life to Jesus... You have met, God has invited you into a covenant that entitles you and positions you as being. You don't strive to enter his presence. You don't strive to be close to him. You don't strive to be his. You don't strive to be like him. You are already created in his image and in his likeness. He is already with you at all times if you are filled with his Holy Spirit. You are his. But you can steward the privilege of being his. And how do we do that? Well, there's three things I want to focus on under this concept of being. First, when we lean into different aspects of this, this way of being, we lean into being in closer proximity to him. So if we lean into being unhurried, we lean closer into being who God created us to be. When we lean into being undistracted, we lean in closer to being who he created us to be and to operate how he created us to operate. And when we lean into being still, 
And we're just going to look into those three points under this concept of being. We are living in a day and age where there is radical overcommitment. There are huge demands on our lives. And we literally become slaves to the have-tos, the must-tos, the want-tos. We are constantly being bombarded. And I think 2020, when there was lockdown, it was this moment for us to just go, wow, there's been a crazy hamster wheel that we've been on. And yet, as lockdown has begun to lift, it's almost as if, for some of us, old patterns of behavior have been the trend that we have started to go back into. And I want to tell you, don't go there. Don't go back into the have-tos, the must-tos, the want-tos, because you literally become a slave. You become a slave to a world system that is constantly demanding of you and hurrying you and radically pushing you from one thing into the next. And it's one big deceptive lie. You actually don't accomplish more by putting more and more into your schedule. You don't accomplish more by being back-to-back with one meeting after the next, one appointment after the next. What you end up leaning into is stress, anxiety, turmoil, disorder, drop balls. You become harassed, and then you're leaning away from who you were created to be. You were created to be someone of his presence. You were created to be someone who was attentive to him. So when we actually lean into being unhurried, what we lean into is breathing space. We lean into the ability to rest. We lean into creative margin to think and to plan and to ponder and to be calculative and objective. And you know what? We become happier. Does anybody feel happy when they're running around from one thing to the next, literally feeling like you're chasing your tail? You don't. You're actually very disrupted. And what God is looking for is he's looking for people who will slow down enough to objectively eradicate the excuses that keep them from his presence. When you're constantly hurrying, you constantly have an excuse as to why you can't be in God's presence, why you can't slow down, why you can't just be attentive to what he's doing. And the thing is, we cannot be spirit-led if we cannot see or hear where the spirit is leading. So if we're constantly on the go and we're constantly hurrying, we're just constantly in excuse mode as to why we can't see or hear or do what the Spirit of God is doing. Does that make sense? So we have to radically erase hurry from our lives. And we will be more productive because we will be applying ourselves to the things that we meant to be applying ourselves to and not applying ourselves to everything else that's coming to just consume our time and our energy. Yeah? Okay. Another thing we can do is lean into being undistracted. When we're undistracted, we actually become aware of others and we become aware of the opportunities around us to shine God's light and to share his love. Think about your daily life. How aware of others are you? Or are you just so fixated on where I've got to go, what I've got to do, people I've got to meet, things I've got to accomplish? Are we overly distracted by everything that's calling at us from all different angles? Are we so distracted that we cannot actually focus in on what God is saying and who he's highlighting and who he's pointing out? You know, if I think about the life of Jesus, he clearly was not distracted. He was clearly attentive to where the spirit was moving and what the spirit was doing. And he was attentive to people and he was attentive to the opportunities that God was creating all around him for the kingdom of heaven to come. Anybody here keen to live a life that is a little bit more undistracted? Yeah? Okay, I see a few nods. That's good. So when we, when we are aware of Him, we will not miss the God moments that are set up for us. And I challenge you to do a little test. Set aside 15 minutes, right? 
Set aside 15 minutes to just hang out with God. And you look at what distractions come your way. Perhaps your phone beeps. Perhaps there's a child who calls on you in that time. Perhaps your mind begins to wander. Perhaps you start to feel very sleepy. Do that a couple times and you will see the distractions that come at you consistently. And I want to tell you right now, you have the authority and you have the wisdom as to how to deal with those distractions. You can put your phone in another room. You can ask someone else to be available for your child for those particular time that you're seeking God. You can choose to find a space that's comfortable but doesn't involve your pillow, your blanket, and your bed. You have the authority in your life to eradicate the distractions that keep you from his presence and keep you from being attentive to the God moments that are all around us. He is our top priority, God. All right. And then finally, we can also lean into being still. Now, this is a master skill. Anybody feel like they've totally nailed this one? You just know how to be still at all times when there's a lot going on around you, where there's a hustle or bustle, where there's conversations, there's stresses and strains, but you just, you just carry the peace and the stillness of God in all of, it's like you, it's like you float around on a higher level. Well, guys, the reality is that that's how we should be operating. That's what ava- that's what's available to us. We're not called to walk on this carnal level that other people are operating on. We're called to walk empowered by the Holy Spirit, superseding everything that's going on around us. I want to share this beautiful scripture with you in Isaiah 40. Verse 31, the one who waits upon the Lord, who expectantly looks for and hopes in him, that person will gain new strength and renew their power. They will lift up their wings and rise up close to God like eagles rising toward the sun. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not grow tired. When you master the skill of being still in his presence... You begin to master life. You begin to master the fact that I need new strength. I'll be still in his presence. I need renewed power. I need some more vavuma in life. I'll be still in his presence. That's where I'm going to get it. That's where this exchange is going to take place. I need to rise up above my situations and my circumstances, the dramas that go on with my colleagues and my boss and my children fighting. I need to rise up about that. Well, it's the person who waits upon the Lord. They're the one who rises up. They're the one who's operating on a whole nother plane, a whole nother level of being. If you're needing some vitality and zeal, you want to run, you want to walk, you want to be fully active and engaged in life, you've got to be the one who waits upon the Lord, who's still in his presence. And you can, you can start simply by just setting a timer for five minutes. Set a timer. Five minutes, I'm just going to practice being still in God's presence because it is an art. Because you can actually see that there are so many things in life that are just all around us trying to steal away the ability to be still. And whether it's external, internal, it's taking place all the time. So you've got to master the art of being still. So you could do this. You could set a timer for five minutes. You can say, for five minutes, I'm just going to be still in God's presence. I'm not going to speak. I'm not going to think, speak. I'm not going to sing. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to be still. And I'm going to say, God, I want to connect heart to heart. And I'm going to connect with no words, but just looking for this interconnectivity between creator and creation, between heavenly father and earthly child, between king and ambassador. There's an interconnectivity that we can attain just by being still in his presence and practicing a heart-to-heart encounter with him. And it's amazing what takes place as we begin to master that art. As we begin to master that art, you begin to receive love. And you begin to accept love. You begin to receive power 
and you begin to accept that power. You begin to receive hope and you don't even know how it's happening because it's just this internet interconnectivity that's taking place between the one that you actually are divinely connected to through the Spirit of God. There's something beautiful that takes happen beautiful takes happen beautiful that happens as we take the time to just be still and seek his presence and wait upon him. And it's important when I said like don't talk, don't think, talk, don't it's it's really about positioning yourself heart to heart with the presence of God. And it's hard to to find the language to express that, but I can tell you something now for the people in this room who actually practice that, you know what I'm talking about, where you're just in his presence. And there's some connectivity that takes place. There's an exchange that begins to take place. And maybe you were heavy, but now you're feeling light. And maybe you were feeling downcast, but now you're feeling joy. And maybe you were feeling a little bit discouraged, but all of a sudden there's courage that's come inside of you. And maybe you were feeling like situations were overwhelming, but all of a sudden authority begins to rise up because of this interconnectivity that takes place. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that amazing? You know, Jesus said, I and the Father are one. We're invited into that oneness through the Spirit of God. We don't have to live our lives disconnected. We don't have to live our lives with a chasm between us and the presence of God. It is available to us, but we just need to steward it. All right, so that's beautiful. We're going we're gonna to pause around that moment. We're going to begin to cultivate this intentional way of living, this intentional way of being. Okay, and why are we going to do that? We're going to do that because we want the Spirit to lead us. So let's focus in on the Spirit. Now, I have to just give a little disclaimer. I cannot do due justice to the beautiful person of the Holy Spirit in like five minutes. All right? There is no ways that I could talk to you about the person of the Holy Spirit and, and give him any credit, like remotely close to the credit that he's due. However, I can whet your appetite with a few scriptures. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up to John 14. Otherwise, just listen. Jesus spoke these words to his disciples before he ascended and, and left them on the earth. He said, if you love me, you will keep my commands. All right? I must just pause on that. When I was preparing this message, I felt to really put a weight on that. Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. If you love me... You will obey my commands. If there are aspects of your life that are not aligning with the commands of Jesus, then you're not loving him. If you love me, you'll obey my commands. And he's so amazing because he empowers us to obey his commands and he empowers us to do it. But then he went on and he said this, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth who the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and he will be in you. Knowing the person of the Holy Spirit in a deep, intimate and personal way brings the most incredible completeness to our lives, guys. It is amazing how... Getting to know the person of the Holy Spirit is like getting to hang out with a best friend all the time. Like to have the most incredible fun, even when you're on your own. You know, I never ever feel lonely. I'm like, I always have the presence of the Holy Spirit with me. And it's the most amazing thing. Like, like you're never ever ever alone. Even when there's no one around, there's just this sense of, man, God is with me. I'm with God. There's this beautiful interconnectivity. So when Jesus is referencing the Holy Spirit here, he talks about two valuable characteristics about the Spirit. He says, he speaks about the Spirit being the helper and about being truth. So if you ever find yourself saying things like, I just need some more help in life, 
or I need some help to make wise decisions, or I need some help with this pain that I'm experiencing, or I need some help to be courageous in this situation. I need someone's help to defend me. This has been so unfair and so unjust. I need strength to overcome these temptations. Well, then you need not look any further than the person of the Holy Spirit because when Jesus was referring to this, the Holy Spirit here as the helper, he used a Greek word called the parakletos. And that word encompasses one who is the comforter, a consoler, an advocate, an intercessor, a counselor. So there is no situation that we could ever find ourselves in life where we do not have availability of wisdom or comfort or an advocate or someone who will defend us or be on um, operating on our behalf. Isn't that incredible? Doesn't that blow your mind? Guys, like this is, this is insane that, that we would have access to something so beautiful, to someone so amazing. And at all times, not, not by appointments, not by me doing a whole lot of good works, just because of the beauty and the grace of God who invited us into a covenant. That is something to celebrate because it is a real tough world out there. And to know that we don't face it alone and to know that we face it empowered to supersede the natural realm and the natural order of things is too good information to keep to ourselves. So we should be talking about it and celebrating it and just being so pumped to be close to the person of the Holy Spirit. John 16 verse 13 says, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. Romans 8, 27, 28, the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for their good. I don't know about you guys, but this sounds like some inner circle information. Here you've got the Holy Spirit who doesn't speak what he wants to speak. He speaks what he hears the Father and Jesus talking about. And then he tells us so that we're forewarned and forearmed for things that are to come. We, we've got inside information here. We know that when the Spirit is interceding on our behalf, he's, he's doing it according to God's will. And everything that goes on in our life works together for our good. Guys, do you understand how radically unfair this is compared to people who don't have the Spirit of God? We have information, we have access to a spiritual realm that supersedes everything going on in the natural realm. So you can go into meetings forewarned, forearmed that someone's going to try and undercut you. You can go into situations where you're being called up on something and you can stand in an authority and a boldness and a courage that I'm created in the image and likeness of God and no matter what you are saying, it's not true and it's just going to fall off me. It's not going to define me. There is a supernatural way that we can operate in life and we need to tap into it. Otherwise, we are being dumb. Yeah? Okay. You know, um, stewarding your relationship with the Holy Spirit is something that we can do intentionally by leaning into being unhurried, leaning into being undistracted, leaning into being still in God's presence. But it's also something we can do by stewarding the gift of tongues. Okay, for those of you who don't know what the gift of tongues is, it's a heavenly language that God gives to those of us who've put our trust in Jesus and we've asked for his spirit to come and dwell within us and we've asked for the gift of tongues. And it's, it's incredible because it's actually a heavenly language that our minds don't understand but our spirit understands and it connects us with the spirit of God in a radical way. And if you haven't been, um, if you're not able to, you haven't received a heavenly language yet and you would like to receive one, We'll pray with you after the service because I'm telling you now, being able to pray in tongues is incredible. It is radical, all right? Um, and um, my friend, who this whole story was about, when she asked God, she said, how, how must I pray about the school situation? And she said, God, must I pray for favor? Must I pray for provision? What, how must I pray? Because she really wanted to align herself with the Spirit of God and, and God's will. And 
God said to her, you just pray in tongues. So literally, every time she would pray for the school and pray for her kid's situation, she would pray in tongues, pray in tongues, because she knew that the Spirit of God was praying on her behalf and praying exactly in line with God's will. And every time she would drive past the school, she would pray in tongues. And so all these things line up to getting the outcome that was the desire of her kid's heart because she stewarded her relationship with the Spirit of God through obedience. She stewarded the ability to hear God by being unhurried and being un- and overcommitted and all these things. And she was still in His presence. And praying in tongues is something we can do all the time. Right? We don't have to wait for some moment in church to do it. We can do it out loud. We can do it internally. I pray in tongues all the time. As much as I can think about it, I do it. So it's not only the crises like when my child fell with a pole in his mouth and ripped his whole palate open and we had to rush him off to the medical center. We prayed in tongues the whole way to the medical center. And when we got there, what originally was the flap of his palate fallen down, it was now stuck back up. That was interceding. That was Wayne and I interceding in tongues the whole way. And a miracle took place that our son didn't have to have surgery. It's not only about praying in tongues when my sons are out in big surf and I can't protect them and I'm just interceding on the pier or on the beach because I know that something goes wrong, they're going to die. It's, it's not only in those big moments of life. It's also in the, in the small moments. It's the just constantly praying, constantly being in touch with the Holy Spirit. Should I have tea or should I have hot chocolate? What should I wear today? What, um, should, I, should I answer that question that the kid just asked me or should I just like... I need wisdom right now. Just a constantly engaging with the Spirit of God, constantly praying in the Spirit. And it's amazing how you start to supersede. And I know that when I'm not praying in the Spirit, I come under everything that's going on around me. I'm overwhelmed. I'm harassed. I'm short in my, my responses to different situations. But man, as soon as I'm praying in the Spirit, <laughs> there's stuff going on and it's not touching me. I am over it. I am an authority over it. And that is available to us all the time because we are divine beings. We are created in His image, in His likeness, and we are called to walk not according to this world and the way it operates, but we are called to walk superseding all of that with a very unfair advantage. Amen. Amen. Okay. The last point is this. We are going to cultivate being... We are going to cultivate relationship with the Spirit so that the Spirit can lead us. All right. Now, here's the key element to this. Being Spirit-led means that someone is leading, and it's not you, and it's not me. Okay? If you want to be someone who is Spirit-led, you have to understand that there is an order here. The Spirit is leading, and you and I are following The Spirit is leading, and you and I are following, right? So it's the difference between praying a prayer like this. Lord, this is where I'm going. This is what I'm going to do. I pray that you're with me. I pray that you're for me. I pray that your authority would be with me. Or praying, God, where you go, I will go. God, what you're up to, I want to be up to. God, what is the adventure that you have for me today? God, what are you, what's, what's on your heart and in your mind today as I go into the workplace? I want to be in line with you. Where is your spirit leading? I want to follow your lead. You've got to get the order right. Someone is leading and someone is following. The spirit is leading and you and I are following. But now, if that kind of freaks you out a little bit, and you're maybe one of these control people. You're under the illusion that you can control things. Just look at 2020. You can't control things. You didn't control waking up this morning. Okay? Let me ask you this question. Who do you think will be the better leader? The creator or the creation? The perfect father or the maturing child? The all-knowing king or the ambassador? 
We got to get the order right, guys. We got to get the order right. We want to be spirit led. We got to realize that we are the ones doing the following, and the Spirit of God is the ones doing the leading. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. So to me, that sounds like a good deal. My perfect father, he has plans for my life. He knows they're going to prosper me. I like to prosper. They're going to be good for me. I can be hopeful about those plans and I can be hopeful about the future because it's good no matter what it looks like. It's good. He's going to turn it to my good. It seems like a no-brainer, and yet in some amazing way, we kind of think that we will be the better leader, like we kind of will do a better job. And you know what that is? It's pride. Yeah. What about what I want? What about what I want to do with my life? Well, here's the thing. God's got a little antidote to that pride as well. It goes like this. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. So the more you lean into God's presence, the more you lean into his spirit, the more you spend time with the person of the Holy Spirit, your heart becomes in sync and in rhythm with his heart. And he gives you the desires of your heart because your desires have been based upon him for what he knows is going to be good for you. What he knows is going to prosper you. What he knows is the way in which he's ordered your life to be ordered. So I don't think letting pride get in the way is a really good idea. Being spirit-led means you live in peace and you get led into peace. It means you live in courage and you get led into courage. It means you live in joy and you move into joy. You're constantly going from strength to strength and from glory to glory. That is a whole lot better than being in chaos and crying out for God's peace or being in distress and asking God to you know, come and, and, and take you out of the miry clay. Why don't we just live in that realm of being in his presence, being in joy, being in encouragement, being in hope, being in confidence, being in authority, being in his presence because he's called us to be spirit-led. I think it's high time that we as believers embrace God's way of thriving on this earth. We have been designed to be the head and not the tail. We have been the ones who are not meant to only listen to testimonies and be inspired by them, but actually live in them on a daily basis and be the inspiration for others. Guys, it is high time we understand who we are in Christ. It is high time that we walk and rule on this earth the way God intended us to. Let your will be done in heaven, on earth, as it is in heaven, through each and every one of us. It makes me excited, guys. It makes me excited that we can be a room full of people who are just rocking it in life, who are applying ourselves to things that succeed and thrive and flourish because we're in sync and in rhythm with the graces and the goodness that God has for our lives. Wrap up today by taking communion, and I'm going to ask the guys who are um, hosting to just pass the communion around. And we must understand that communion is a reminder of a covenant that God has made with us through Jesus, right? And if you have not yet made that covenant with Jesus, if you have not given your life to Jesus, if you you still need to know more about salvation, rather don't take communion. Rather come in this moment where other people are taking communion and come and meet with Mac and he'll talk to you about relationship with Jesus. He'll talk to you about what salvation is about. And I tell you now, if you have never submitted your life wholly and totally to the Lordship of Jesus, it is the best and most important thing that you'll do with your life. So he's going to be available during communion for you to come and meet and chat with him. But for those of you who have entered into a covenant with God through Jesus, we're going to take communion as a reminder of that covenant. We're going to take communion as a reminder that he has created us to be human beings and not human doings, that we are to be in the spirit 
and be led by the Spirit. And we're going to put up a prayer, um, and I'll just read it, but then you can take time to just read and ponder it. We're not going to play music. We're not going to have anything that can try and be a distraction or try and enhance the moment. This is just about you and God in this moment, pondering Selah, everything that I've spoken about. To read this prayer. Father, I humble myself before you, and I ask your spirit to empower me to live in sync with you. I acknowledge that you are a far better leader than I could ever be. I acknowledge that hurry and distraction keep me from being still and living in my true identity. I am a human being and not a human doing. I ask you to help me to renew my mind with your word that I am created and called to rule and reign on this earth. I am the head and not the tail. I am your kingdom advancer. As I seek to know your spirit more and be in harmony with you, I will follow your lead and see your kingdom advance in me and through me. Thank you for the covenant you made with me through Jesus that entitles me to be one who is led by your spirit. feels like I, I don't really want to ruin the moment with speaking. We're going to wrap the service now. Um, but I saw such a clear picture when we just took a moment to pause. And I just want to share with you... Um, I saw, I don't know if you know those catapults that they use in those olden day battle movies where those, it's like a big swing, slingshot and it throws a ball like that. And, and it just throws these like massive balls of rock or whatever, like hundreds and hundreds of meters, you know, towards cities that they're attacking or something. And I heard these words this morning from the Lord saying, this is my strategy to overcome. Everything that Trisha shared here this morning, these, these words, I don't know, they are so precious and so poignant right now for, for us in, in this room. And if you're watching at home, I just, there's such a weightiness on this word. And I felt the Lord say while I was sitting there, just when we paused for a moment, He said, this is my strategy for you to overcome. This is how some of you will be catapulted into the next season of your life. This is how some of you are going to be launched to higher levels of prosperity and victory in your life. Just by being still and unhurried and undistracted and full of His Spirit, connected to His Spirit and led by the Spirit. The Lord has plans to prosper you and not for harm, to give you a hope and a future. But we have to, before we can walk in the will of God, we have to know the ways of God. We find the will of God by practicing the ways of God. And this what you've heard this morning is the way of God. There's no way around this. And so I want you to encourage us all this morning. Let's treasure these words. Let's go into this week and, and really think about how you can practice what has been shared here today. Amen? Amen. Just before we, we close the service, we're going to have an opportunity to pray for people. I just wonder if Hugh and Julie, wouldn't you mind just coming up here for a moment? Um, just come on up quick. Um, just so you know, this is this is Hugh and Julie. They are missionaries to Cambodia. They work in remote uh, villages, uh, teaching kids. Um, uh, that's that's their strategy for being in Cambodia. Is they they can't just arrive as missionaries. They they have they have a school that they've started there, and they they educate young kids. In Cambodia, Julie is from Madagascar. Hugh is from South Africa originally, and uh, God supernaturally brought their lives together ten years ago. And uh, because of lockdown, they have actually been uh, 
what I say, restricted to South Africa. They've been locked into South Africa. And they really need to get back to Cambodia to the work that God has called them. And I want us as a church to pray for open doors, for miracles, and for provision so that this couple who've given their lives to the work of the Lord can get on a plane and get back to their kids and their villages by January this year. So I don't know if you got faith this morning, but I got faith. I might not have the money to give them this morning, but I got faith that my God provides. So I'm going to ask you, if you wouldn't mind standing to your feet, and let's stretch our hands towards this couple, and let's pray for God to do a miracle. Father in heaven, we lift Hugh and Julie before you right now. We thank you that there are willing people, Father God. (laughs) There are people who will travel to foreign nations and learn foreign languages and give their lives to a nation that is only 1% or 2% Christian, Lord God. And be be salt and be light. Father, we ask that right now you would provide everything that they need so that they can fly in January, Lord God. Lord, the plane tickets, the the funding, the everything, we ask you to supernaturally rend the heavens and make a way for this couple to get back to their kids and to their village, Lord. We pray for provision, protection, and Lord, as they land in Cambodia, we thank you that the work will accelerate. The revival is going to break forth there, Father. We thank you for the fire of God on this couple, Lord. We anoint them this morning, Father God. We speak fire over you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for an acceleration over them, Lord God. And the work that they're called to, Lord, that more kids will come in, Lord. More kids will get saved, Lord. The parents are going to start getting saved, Lord. We're going to see villages turning to you, Lord. Turning from Buddhism. Turning from other religions. Turning to you, the light of the world, Lord God. We thank you for your anointing on them this morning, Father God. They will go forth and reap a huge harvest for you in Cambodia, and we all say, in the name of Jesus, amen and amen, amen. Pleasure, yeah, come on, you can grab your seat. Please make them feel welcome and, and greet them after the service. It's really a privilege having you guys here with us. Awesome, sure, awesome. It's our pleasure. Amen. Yes. <laughs> so if you haven't, thanks guys. If you haven't yet received the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues and you would like to, that's how we're going to close the service. You're more than welcome to come on up here to the front. We're going to pray for you. Um, and uh, for the rest of us, let's go practice God's strategies for overcoming. Amen. Have a blessed and beautiful Sunday. First time visitor, don't forget there's a connect zone for you. Thank you, Trishy. You're amazing. Message. We would like to encourage you to join one of our connect groups where you can make friends and discuss the word further. You can message us on 072-606-6747 to join a connect group or to send us any prayer needs you might have. To give your tithes and offering, please visit our website www.endurban.org to get our bank details and zapper code. Have a safe and blessed week.